when you look around and, you know, when somebody asked me earlier, hey, what is it with your team? I'm going to use the national narrative. We're really lucky. We're really lucky team. So, you know what? We'll continue to be lucky and try to win the next game. What's up, everybody? It's Matt St. Jean here with Joe Howie. You're getting a very raw reaction here. It's the Friars knockoff number 21, Xavier, 65-62 at the Cintas Center. Joe, it's been two hours since this game ended, and I am not close to processing what I just watched. I think I'm in shock, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, the onions on Jared Bynum, man. I, I mean... I, I hit the ceiling when that shot went in, and we can we can pick apart the game in a few minutes. But my God, to 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 everybody, Jeff Goodman, all the eighteen year old reporters out there, how lucky are we now, huh? How lucky are the Friars? Luckiest team in the country, God damn it! Excuse my yep. French. This is a Catholic school. I shouldn't have. Even, gosh damn it! But <laughs> you want to call it luck? You want to say it's a show me game? How about that? Here's a big middle finger show you. The Friars are legit. Yeah, that was was just a statement win. And as I'm sure you heard in that intro there, that was Ed Cooley after the game talking about the the narratives around this team being lucky. And Al Durham, too, had some words after the game talking about how lucky this team is. And they know. They hear what people have to say. They're aware. And they're just going to keep playing into it doesn't matter you know what you could you could say jared bynum's lucky all you want but he's a good shooter he got an open look you you want to you want to know what's lucky is going into a top 25 hostile road environment without a starter on a night when the best big man in the conference doesn't score a point and winning by three points and holding the home team to 62 on their own floor that's lucky you you want to run around and throw these bs narratives everywhere Lucky, lucky, lucky. That's lazy reporting. Yeah. Fries are legit. Now I do. I want to go back to that last 30-whatever seconds of this game and just talk about this. I, I kind of want to talk about I just want to set the scene for myself of where I was watching this game. I'm by myself sitting on my couch here in my apartment. Joe, you've been to my apartment. You know my TV. It's on a stand yep. that's a little bit lower. So... You get late in games. Your instinct is, oh, I got to stand up to watch this. My problem is I do that, and I just got twice as far away from the TV as I was sitting on the couch. So there's 30 seconds left, and I'm, I've am i got my coffee table pulled right up to where my TV stand is, and I'm sitting on it, and I've got my head probably six inches, not more than that, a foot away from the TV screen. I try to get as close as I possibly can to watch this last possession. And then I, w- I tell when I tell you I was screaming and jumping around. I, I mean, this is this is the most tense I've been watching a Friars game since <sighs> at Nova 2020. Yeah, I, I'd say that's fair. I, I, I'd say tenseness level. I'd say this is much much higher. There's more on the line here. Um, that 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 Friars team in 2020, the six game win streak, knocking off five ranked opponents in a row, that that was a, a team that was playing with house money. This team is is something more. It's something. There's something layered here, much more so than that team. And that team was fantastic. I love that team, but this team is something special. Um, it really is. And 
I, I was in a similar situation, Matt. My whole family was watching the game. My girlfriend came over for the second half. It, it was it was very tense, those final three minutes, especially when Xavier took the lead. Um, there were some sloppy turnovers late. Um, that, that final possession when Xavier had the ball with 36, my dad and I were going back and forth as to whether or not Xavier was going to run clock, and they did. Yep. And talk about, you know. Glad they did. I'm glad they did. And talk about selfishness. Paul Scruggs taking it for himself. And I know you want to break down this play a little bit more, but Paul Scruggs had other open options, and he said he wanted to take it himself, and it cost them the game. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. This is, I mean, I want to, I think we got to, we can analyze this play, but to analyze this play, you got to go back 12 months. You got to go back to that game because this is where we've been in this situation before. Same into the floor, same arena. And, what was that? I mean, when when Xavier hit that three in this game that took the lead, my first thought was it's happening again. Is a defensive breakdown? Nate gets lost, miscommunication with Horkler and Bynum, wide open three. You're down. It's like this is happening again. You tie it up, and then you get a chance to get that one last defensive stop. And you could see the work that this team has put in from last year. And you could tell. I mean, Cooley went out and got the guys he wanted this offseason. And the guy that made that last play was Justin Minaya, hands down. You got Nate Watson with four fouls. You can't put him out there in defense because if it goes to overtime, you need him. And fr- frankly, Ed Croswell couldn't really defend Nunji all that well. So who do you turn to in that scenario? The so-called defensive player of the year, best defensive player he's ever coached from Ed Cooley, Justin Minaya. They put him one-on-one on Nunji, and he sealed him off. And he made sure you could tell from the play that, that was supposed to be one where Scruggs is going to drive and then just drop it off to Nunji. And when I saw that, he read that the whole way, got in the passing lane. And that then Nunji stuck because so you can try to dish it to one of the three other guys, but they were mostly covered and he's in a bad position. He can't pass it from there. So he has to go up with it. And Manaya knows it because the second, I tell you, the second the um, Scruggs drives by where Manaya is on defense, he comes off of his defensive assignment, comes over to Scruggs and helps out Durham. You look there, there's two hands up trying to block that shot and interrupt him enough. Ball doesn't go in. And you know who's there for the rebound? It's Manaya. catches it, turns, looks up the court, sees Durham, passes out, balls out. Within two seconds, you go from Scruggs is driving to Durham's got the ball at half court. And that's all because of the play of Justin Minaya. Yeah. And you want to talk about, you know, ebbs and flows and evening each other out. Scruggs selfishly sees that Nunji's out of the play now. So he takes it himself. He doesn't look to pass it for anyone else. Thinks I'm going to take this to the rack and win the game. But on the fast forward a half second, two and a half seconds later, What's Al Durham doing? He's given the ball up to Bynum for the shot. Mm-hmm. And Cooley said that, too, uh, after the game, is that that was an unselfish play by Al Durham, who was the leading scorer for the Friars. You know, Durham very easily could have taken that, that three-pointer himself, and we could have gone to overtime. It could have been a different game. But instead, he passed it up to Bynum. Nice little pump fake, step back, three, game over. Yeah. And that was, oh, my God, hell of a shot from Bynum. The pump, the step, that was nice. And you talk about that's an area – 
Um, you go back to the beginning of last season when he first came in to Providence, and what were we talking about? We're saying this guy was a scorer at St. Joe's. He can't shoot the ball. Well, he worked on it. He's adjusted to Big East play. You know? Do you know who our third best three-point shooter is right now, Joe? Is it Jared Bynum? It's Jared Bynum. And with Reeves out, he's now your second best guy. Makes sense for him to be taking the shot in that scenario. It does. Absolutely does. Um, I wanted to say, too, Jack Nungy was um, he was a, a surprise. You know, I, I didn't think he was going to have good. that. kind. Of, <laughs> he, he's good. Um, you got I give him credit. You know, he did a good job shutting down Nate. Um, he had he was obviously going to do a good job of shutting down Croswell. He had the size mismatch. Croswell still put up 10 points. Um, and one note I want to make, it's so telling about the depth of a team. When on the night when Nate Watson, first team all-conference player, scores zero points, you win on the road against a ranked tournament team, Xavier. I think that's so telling about this team. Jeff Goodman, uh, 18-year-old reporters, will call it luck. We'll say we don't pass the eye test. Eat shit. Sorry, you can cut that out. You can bleep it out. Eat shit. You, you, uh, how did the eye test go for this game? Um, yeah. I also want to say. The eye test is telling me right now that Providence has more points than Xavier, and it's triple zeros on the clock. Uh, that's Yeah, that's what the eye test is telling me. And um, the eye test also told me that Zach Fremantle does a much better job of pissing and moaning to the refs about calls than he does playing actual basketball. That, that guy is so mentally and physically soft. Croswell dunked on him, and he wanted a foul. Like, shut up. He had 12.6 of 11 from the field. Great. Good for you, pal. Four rebounds. You're just, oh, God. He was really pissing me off the whole game. And Colby Jones, too. And it makes sense. You're going to act like your coach. All Travis Steele does on the sidelines is yap the ref's ear off. I want this foul. I want this foul. Blah, 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 blah. Play basketball. Stop stop bugging the refs. That's something Jay Wright does a lot of, too, is just bugging the refs for calls. The Fremantle and Colby Jones. God. Play basketball. Well, you know, I think one of the other things about this game, I mean, this team, this game kind of followed the script. That, uh, what do you call it? That these, these two teams have played all season. Friars came out, as Jared Bynum said, they wanted to throw the first punch, and my oh my, was it a haymaker. They got out to a big lead early. We're up 14 in the first half, and well, they hit, I think the first four threes, they knocked down. And I was like, all right, that's your building a lead. If you're up 14 in the first half on a top 25 team on the road like that, you're always feeling good. But this is a Xavier team. It's a good team. There's no doubt. I mean, Xavier's a top 25 team. They deserve to be up there. And they battle back. They've done that all season long. All kinds of comebacks, all gear. And they made it a game in a hurry. I mean, when they took that lead late, it was like, it was kind of this, are you kidding me? Like, this this game should have been in the bag, and here we are. And for as much as that had to do about the Friars, I think that honestly had more to do with Xavier. Just it took them a little bit to settle in and find ways to beat us. And they eventually found him. And the Friars found ways. To, the Friars found answers too at the end of the game. The Friars yeah. found the answers yeah. they needed to. But this, this seemed like two teams going back and forth throwing haymakers, two heavyweights. This this game reminded me a lot of two previous games that Providence has played in the past two seasons, and that's on the road against Creighton last year and the home game against Seton Hall the year prior, where 
we come out and I love the the phrase Ed Cooley said, we got shot out of the cannon. You go out, you you take a really a heavy, thick double figure lead, but you're playing quality opponents. You're not playing DePaul. You're not playing Georgetown. Like these guys are gonna chip back and make it a game. Um and listen, I can go on and on and and rack on Fremantle and Colby Jones, but Xavier's a good team. You know, that they're ranked for a reason. They, they have good, talented players, you know? There's a reason they're – what's their record now? There's a reason this team has 14 wins. They're good. Yeah. Ed Cooley said this is a tournament team, and we unfortunately have to see them again. But at the end of the day, um, when you get into a, a, a knockout, dragout, Big East battle like this, it, it's going to come down to final possessions. Um, mm-hmm. Fortunately for us, our defense, like you said, Manaya was super tight and, and super disciplined on that final defensive possession. And Bynum was fortunate enough to get a really good look, a, a clean look at a, a, an open three-pointer to seal the win. That that that's that was the game, quite yeah. literally. That The whole game came down to those two possessions. Good defense, like I always say, turning into better offense. You know, you can, you can call it lock, you can call it clutch, you can call it whatever you want, but basketball between two teams that are this good and equally matched in so many ways every game is is two halves the first half is 38 minutes and the second half is the last two minutes you play the first half and you're probably gonna be tied after that and then it all comes down to those final moments and what you can do with it and i mean they in a lot of ways xavier won those final two minutes i mean they put together a couple nice plays they got an open dunk at the end of the game but Providence got to the free throw line. Durham did what Durham does, sank free throws, 10 to 10 on the game. You tie it up, and it sets up that final sequence. Both teams played good. The Friars played one ounce better. And the fact that they can do that on the road in a scenario like this, that one ounce matters tremendously. That one ounce is the difference between being number 20 and being number 10. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it does. I mean, my uh, my heart rate has been through the ceiling the the, the past two. Honestly, even before the game at like six o'clock, <laughs> I, I just uh, I knew it was going to be a game. Uh, there were rumors that Horkler wasn't going to play. Um, wound up playing. It was a game time decision. That that was kept under the radar until right before. Um. Wow! I just wow. That was yeah. Oh my goodness! Now. I to talk about something a little bit lighter. Can we just for a second talk about CBS Sports and that announcing? Oh, <laughs> oh my. Um, well, let's. Uh, I gotta say, Zach, I thought, I thought, I thought Horkel and Mignana and Dorham all had pretty good games. I, I thought they played great games, and you know what was really they nice are, but apparently they were fantastic. Is when Watson got called for his fourth foul. I forget which commentator it was said, oh, that's nice. Cool. He's giving him a blow. I'm like, no, he's not. He, he just picked up his fourth foul. That's really serious. Oh, he's getting a nice rest on the bench. Shut up. No, he's not. He picked up his fourth foul. That's actually a really serious storyline to watch. But, you know, that's what happens when you stick the, the, the ranked Big East matchup on CBS Sports and FS1 gets a Butler blowout over Creighton. That's what happens. Yeah. Well, you know what? This is I'm sure this was determined preseason because nobody is going to want to watch the seventh best team in the Big East to go play Xavier. Oh, you're right. You're so right. I mean, 
Zinger's the seven's going to win that one by what I'd say at least nine points. The, the, uh, yeah, Xavier was favored by eight and a half over the luckiest team in the country, according to all these super analysts that are really good at their jobs and amateurs trying to make it big by trolling a fan base on Twitter. Um, I actually, this goes against something that I normally do is I, I give John Rothstein a lot of credit. And listen, he's brown nosing and I know he's brown nosing, but it's working um, on the halftime show on CBS. He actually gave the Friars a lot of credit. He acknowledged that we've been playing well without A.J. Reeves, who's a key contributor to the team. He acknowledged that we beat teams without Jared Bynum. So, listen, I, I've racked on him in the past, but that what he's – and, again, he's brown-nosing. He's, he's, he's kissing ass because the Friars are ranked and it makes him look better, but he's telling it as it is. He's giving credit where the credit is due. And a lot of times that's rare now with reporting around this team. So – uh, I tipped my hat to him. That was that was really nice. I thought that was a nice touch. The the only complaint I didn't have about the CBS broadcast. Yeah, a little bit late, but at least we got some credit there. But yeah, I mean, this is just, oh my goodness, uh, this is as big a win as the Friars have had all season, as big a win as we've had in a very long time. I mean, this yeah. is the, the reaction I got. I mean, this this is bringing me back to at Creighton back in 2016 with Kyron Cartwright hitting the buzzer beater. Oh, that was a game. Yeah, this is like th- this is that kind of environment. This is that kind of oh shoot reaction at the end. I can't believe like we did it. Yeah. Oh my but. goodness. Yeah. Okay, we'll go over some of the stats here real quick. Leading scorer for Providence, Al Durham, he had twenty-two points, five of sixteen from the field, knocked in two triples, ten of ten from the charity stripe. He had four assists. Bynum also had four assists, was the second leading scorer for the Friars with 16 points, 6-12 from the floor. He knocked in a triple. He was 3-4 from the charity stripe. Your leading rebounder was Horkler. He had 11 and 6 points. Benaya also 6 points. He had 6 rebounds. Benaya and Horkler each put in two threes. And that was it for guys in double figures. Uh, Alan Breed added 5 points. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Ed Croswell. He had 10 points. Yeah, and six boards. And then, yeah, so three guys there with six boards. Crosswell, Manaya. Uh, no, sorry, just those two with six boards. And Horker had eleven. And Watson, no points. He only took two field goals. Oh, three from the free throw line. Two rebounds. He got in foul trouble. He had four fouls and only played eighteen minutes. I mean, if I told you the Friars were going to get outscored in the paint 38-26 in this one with no A.J. Reeves and you're relying on your backcourt to win it, I was saying this is all right. Xavier's going to cover that spread. This is going to be a 10-point loss. Just what a remarkable effort from those guys. You know what that this performance reminds me of, Matt, and we touched on it earlier. The road win at Villanova from 2020. That game wasn't won in the paint. That game was won by Malik White and Lawan Pipkins, the two backcourt players. Two yeah. senior black backcourt players, mind you. So, uh, I I think the dynamic between Durham and and Bynum is really really special. Um, I think the way they can interchange at the point and at the the shooting guard is fantastic. Um, and like you said, on a night and listen, you got to give Nunji credit. He did a good job uh, defensively on Nate. That doesn't mean he's better than Nate. It means Nate had an off night, and that happens and from time to time. You it's know, not you know, often that Watson's going to go against somebody bigger than him either. Exactly. It's not. Yeah. But 
you could see the frustration on Watson's face when that fourth foul was called. Um, and that just sucks. There's really nothing you can do about it. You know, you can't officiate the game. You can just play. Um, and, the, but, and a lot of those fouls were real fouls, too. Some of them were. There was He had a frustration foul in there that was bad. Yeah. But this this does tee him up for a, one hell of a, a, a comeback, bounce-back game on Saturday. Yeah. And that we'll have a separate pod to talk about Marquette, but they just won tonight. They beat the pants off Seton Hall for most of the night, as they've been doing. They've won seven in a row. This game might be the hottest matchup in the Big East this season. I mean, this is you talk about two heavyweights going at it. The Dunkin' Donuts Center is where you want to be Saturday or Sunday or whenever they play it with that snowstorm coming in. I am so excited. I mean, I hope the snowstorm doesn't, you know, put a wrinkle on things, but I am so excited for that game. Yeah, that one's going to be absolutely fantastic. While I'm going through the stats, Nunji, he was the second leading scorer for Xavier. He had 15 points. Scruggs was their leading scorer. He had 16. Uh, Colby Jones led him with rebounding with 12. And Adam Kunkel, he had four assists. Didn't score. 0 of 5 from the field. But he had four assists more than anybody else. Uh, Nate Johnson, Colby Jones, Scruggs all had three assists. Nate Johnson, another guy that was scoreless. One thing I think you've got to talk about here on defense is perimeter defense is pretty much rock solid, I thought, for the Friars. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought our perimeter defense was fantastic. I thought the recovery by guys, too, that were collapsing in the paint and then Xavier would swing the ball around the perimeter to find that open man on the far wing. And, and our guards and our wings are doing a great job getting out there. I, I thought that was fantastic. So, yeah, closing out so hard. And Xavier only took eight threes, um, so that's the second half. They took 18 threes all game. They were two of eight in the second half, four of 18 on the game. Nunji hit two of them. And then you said one guy hit two threes. If that happens, all right. Not a whole lot you can do to defend that, I guess. But other than that, Colby Jones hit one. Paul Scruggs hit one. They're two three-point shooters they depend on. Nate Johnson, Adam Kunkel, 0 for 8 from deep. That's all you can ask for from your perimeter defense right there. And aside from the four assists, Kunkel didn't really have a very good game. Uh, he had four fouls. And just you look at the size of Kunkel, too. He's very small and thin. A physical game like this does not benefit a player of his body type at all. Um, and I think, again, it's a credit to our defense. Colby Jones, Nate, Nate Johnson held scoreless. Colby Jones, nine points. I mean, Scruggs will do what Scruggs does. Nunji had a good game. Fremantle is soft as hell, but still had 12. And I'm just going to rip on Fremantle now because the, the pissing and moaning up and down the court was driving me nuts. Oh, God. I hate players like that. I hate them. Yeah. And he's been – this is a guy who was preseason – all first team Big East. He's been a good player at the Big East that he was last year. And this injury took something out of him. He is not. I think that's why uh, we haven't seen this from him before. I think this is new. I think he looks frustrated. He is not the same player he has been. And you can, it's just obvious in every aspect, especially like confidence and body language. Yeah. But Hey, it happens. Watson was frustrated tonight. Um, it, frustration is a thing in this sport. And, you can either let it drive your 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 motivation or you can let it tank you. Um, mm -hmm. Watson's the kind of guy that lets frustration drive him. Fremantle, it force it drives him, but it drives him to piss and moan to the refs all game. Yeah. And yeah, 
we got a lot of season left. So we'll see what happens with Watson after this. We'll see what happens with Fremantle after this. Heck, these two teams should be playing each other again at some point. So we'll see what happens when that matchup occurs. I think that's uh, that's late February. I'm pretty sure. I think that's sandwiched between the two Nova games. Yeah, Friars. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a deep one. Yeah, Friars seven and one in Big East play right now. It's the best start they've had in conference play ever, ever. That is remarkable. And seventeen and two on the season. That is, I'm just like I'm speechless over here. You go back to our preseason pods. I think what you're gonna hear is, hey, we might be uh, one of the top tier like middle class teams of the Big East this year. We might be really pesky. I don't think I don't think anybody expected us to be this good, even us. Uh, this is it, this whole season has been a pleasant surprise, um, I, I, and I also think um, it tastes that much sweeter after you have already digested the previous season. Um, last year, Duke and Watson were the two most dominant players in the conference, but the supporting staff wasn't all there. Horkler didn't really come on until late in the season, and that's because he had to earn his opportunity over Greg Gant. Uh, Bynum was injured for most of the season. Reeves was hot and cold. So it it took the team a while to come together, and even once they did, they couldn't really put it together fast enough to beat a a really, really poor DePaul team during the Big East tournament. So I think Friar fans left last season with a sour taste in their mouths, came into this season, you know, a lot of of players left the roster. A lot of players came to the roster. You didn't really know what you were going to expect. You know, we saw LaJuan Pipkins take his time to onboard to the team as an immediate transfer. So it it took some getting used to, but this is it. It's a reality now. And it's a, it's a sweet, sweet reality. You replace David Duke, Jimmy Nichols and Chris Monroe with Al Durham, Justin Minaya, and an improved Ed Croswell. And you get a hell of a lot tougher. That's for sure. This I mean, team, that's weird. Yeah. They're way better on defense this year, I think, just because they found the guys that fit the system better and buy in better. This is this is one of the toughest teams I think I've ever seen come out of Providence. And that's saying a lot because that, that 2018 team with Cartwright and Jalen Lindsey, that was a tough team. Like that mm-hmm. team had no business being in the Big East championship game, but damn it, they were there. This, is, this team is is much tougher. And I, I think the senior leadership sets the tone. You look at Nate Watson, he's a tough player. He sets the tone. He's the reason Ed Croswell is playing the way Ed Croswell is. You look at guys like Durham and Bynum and Horkler. Those guys are tough. Manaya, even Reeves when he's on the floor, tough. Like, these guys are not soft. They're, playing Providence is not for the faint of heart. Just like these close no. games are not for the faint of heart. Yeah, and I think that's why we expected the Friars to be better than a lot of other people did because we saw, hey, this is where Cooley thrives. You're going to get a bunch of tough guys that are going to buy in, and even if you're playing teams that are better than you, they're going to grind it down and you're going to have a shot. It's just that these guys got better. I mean, Durham's better for the Friars than he was at Indiana. Manai is better for the Friars than he was at South Carolina. These are both producing more. Crosswell got better. Horkler got a lot more consistent. Watson is somehow, I don't, I don't know if he, he's not better statistically, but I think he's probably a better rounded player right now. And AJ Reeves is having the best season of his career. That's yeah. what you're looking at. These guys I, I, all play together well. 
I think it's about Biden too. You look at Durham and, and Manaya specifically, and they're buying into their roles. You know, Durham it, it came here and was asked a, a, a tall task of managing the the combo guard position in the absence of an NBA player and David Duke. That's a tall task for someone who who is primarily playing the shooting guard, and he's done it, and he's taken the reins, and he's taken responsibility of it. Justin Manaya came in here and was asked to play the role of the best defensive player in the league, and he's doing it damn well, and he's doing it while improving his three-point shooting. Yeah, can we talk about three, that? His two threes it's, tonight were, were nice. Yeah, and this is something... You look at the scattering report, it's like, all right, this guy's going to have a game every once in a while where he's going to shoot the three-ball well. And that's how he was through non-conference play. And over the last month or so, he's turned it up a notch. Yeah. He's been, I think he's been near a 50% three-point shooter in conference play. I think he's, yeah. I think he's if I'm, I'm remembering this off the top of my head, I want to say he's 10 of 22 from deep in, in uh, conference play, which is just, I mean, that's ridiculous right there. So I'm checking... Ken Palm right now. Providence moved up to 46. Shocker. And let's check the net. Oh, the net won't... He, he is he is 10 of 22 from three in conference play this year. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah, we can beat the dead horse on this for hours and hours and hours. But at the end of the day, this was a, a really tough, gutsy road ranked win for yeah. the the clear cut one of the top teams in the conference not seventh not fifth or sixth not a bubble team this is one of the best teams in the conference and yeah. you can take all these opinion rankings out of the way and look at the hard stats and that's the record take the efficiency shit and throw it out the window look at the record uh, this is one of those games this is a victory you pour yourself a nice glass of whiskey grab a nice beer Whatever your whatever your vice of choice is, and you just sit back and you enjoy it, because I mean, I mean you gotta enjoy these teams when they come around. What we've seen from Providence basketball, heck, you go back to 2020. That right there tells you it can be taken away from you in a split second. So Friars won. They're playing good basketball, and hell, at this point, no matter what happens down the stretch, I mean, we're a good team. I don't know if the Friars are a tournament lock yet. They're damn close already. And it's not even February yet. They haven't played Villanova this year. And they're damn near a tournament lock. So on that alone is like, all right, don't move. we're not the team. We can rest on our laurels a little bit. Sit back and enjoy this. I know Friar fans are jaded, but there's a certain point where you can sit back and say, hey, we're doing everything we can. We're getting the wins. Everybody else, you can say whatever you want. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna enjoy it. Yeah. Um, That's what I did. Grabbed grabbed a nice whiskey after that one. Yeah, I, I, I really, I couldn't really speak after that one. I threw my voice out. <laughs> like my throat hurt for like an hour. I, I couldn't believe that. Ugh, I just, I, as I was watching it unfold, I'm thinking to myself, someone's gonna hit a buzzer beater three right now, and Xavier's gonna get a taste of what happened to them on their own floor, and. Or what happened to us on their own floor, and there it was. And I have the replay on my computer going silent right now. Just I've been watching it for like ten minutes. You're gonna have that as your screen saver, aren't you? <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> I'm not. No. 
<laughs> I wouldn't blame you if you did, because that's again in these moments too. Is it's it's not often that not only do you get the wins, you get the moments that go with it. So what we're talking about. Luan Pipkins at Nova or Luan Pipkins versus Xavier back in 2020 in a given season, even when you're really good, you're only going to get maybe two or three of those moments where somebody hits that shot that makes you go, wow, yeah, actually makes you speechless. So, um, <sighs> on a complete side note, um, we could take a quick look around the conference. Um, I, I really can't wait to hear what Kevin Willard's excuses for why they lost at home again. I think the Prudential Center reminds Marquette too much of the Pfizer Forum, and because that's a, and because yeah, Seton Hall had a COVID pause in the latter half of December, which is almost over a month ago. This is why they're losing these games now. This is why they're three and six in conference is because their home arena reminds opponents of their home arena. So really, really sucks to be Kevin Willard right now. It really does, guys. I, and I everyone should up, send him their, their sympathy. I hope he ends up at Louisville now with Chris Mack out. I mean, that is just that's a match made in heaven. Yeah, that's he could be the next Patino down there. Just <laughs> it, it, Chris Mack. Oh, man. Um, the thing that's sad about Kevin Willard, too, is I had a lot of respect for him up until about a month ago. Uh, you know, he, him all and, brand new. Him and Ed Cooley went and they coached the, the Team USA in Peru or wherever it was a couple summers ago. Like, Kevin Willard has always been a stand-up, classy coach. Like, a hothead, sure. But I, I never I never had the this anti-sentiment towards him that I have right now. And it's completely the way he's addressing the press. He's not taking any accountability for the team's losses. Like, I, I think the shock of being ranked and then pooping the bed during conference play is getting to him. But what kind of what kind of lesson are you teaching your players? Like, oh, we lost because of the gym we played in? Grow up. You lost because yeah. St. John's beat the doors off you. You lost because yeah. Marquette's hot and you didn't scout them appropriately. I don't really know what to tell yeah. you, but you didn't lose because of the venue. And you didn't lose because eight walk-on players had COVID. You know, like, own up to why you're losing games. And this is a Seton Hall team. I mean, a week into the season, they had what we thought was going to be the best win any Big East team would have this year. That's a road win at Michigan, a team that was projected to be like top five, top ten in the country. Well, Michigan's dropped off. They beat Texas. Texas is good. No, I mean, that's a good win. It's not like a fantastic win, though. And ever since then, when you look at they start conference play, you lose to Providence, you lose to Nova, both acceptable. You beat Butler, good. Home against UConn, you get taken overtime. That one's a little bit iffy, given the circumstances for UConn. And then the wheels just fall off. Loss at DePaul, loss at Marquette. You beat St. John's, turn around, immediately get killed by St. John's two days later, and then lose to Marquette tonight. They're three and six. Their next game is at Georgetown next week. They lose that one if they hand Georgetown their first conference win of the year. I mean, this team is going to go from uh, number 15 in the country in the AP poll to on the wrong side of the bubble. And I don't know month and a half uh, yeah uh, and i think it's good for the conference when more teams play well um uh, the more bids you get for the the tournament the, it's just it, it's obvious you want teams to do well with that said if you're gonna lose and you're gonna to piss and moan to the to 
the the media as to X, Y, and Z reason why you lost, and X, Y, and Z reason has nothing to do with the way your team played, then I kind of like watching them lose. I, I would like to watch Seton Hall lose at Georgetown next week because be because I like watching Willard squirm now. Um, yeah, you know? and it's like for as much as we can complain about Fremantle or anything over at Zafir, I mean, I respect the hell out of that team. Steel's a good coach. They got good players. Tonight was just not their night. They played hard, and another night, maybe the game goes for them, but it doesn't tonight. The Friars made the plays they needed to make, and Xavier didn't, and the Friars get the win. But yeah. this is a good Xavier team. I like them, and I have no problem rooting for them as like a Big East ally. It's a team like, hey, let's let's see another Big East team climb up these poles. Let's let's prove that we're one of the best, if not the best, conference out there. Seton well, Hall is a lot harder to do that for. It's also mutually beneficial. If Xavier goes and starts and beats everyone else in the conference and then loses to us again, it makes us look better because we beat them, they beat everyone else. It helps our it helps our metrics go up because that's what everyone cares about is the metrics, the metrics, the metrics, the metrics. But um, yeah, you're right, Matt. I can complain and I can rack on Fremantle and Travis Steele and Colby Jones all I want. At the end of the day, they're a good team. They're ranked for a reason. They're talented. Those are just objective facts. Now, you can sprinkle in the colored stuff for the podcast and sure, it gets everyone laughing, gets a chuckle, but they're a good team. And that, that was on full display tonight. You don't need a buzzer beater to beat a bad team unless you're having an off night, which we were not. So Xavier's a good team. Seton Hall, we thought was a good team, but the way Willard has acted and held himself in front of the media makes you not want to root for them. It doesn't make you want to see to see that team have success. If there's any team in the Big East that's a fraud right now, it's Seton Hall. Yeah. And they're getting exposed plain and simple. So, yeah. I don't I don't want this to turn into the Seton Hall show, though, because they don't deserve that much attention. Um, elsewhere in the Big East, I believe Butler beat Creighton earlier tonight, which Butler that's interesting. Creighton by 17. Yeah, which is that's interesting because this is a Creighton team that's really snuck onto the the right side of the bubble. That's not a good look for them. People are down on Butler. Um, this is obviously easier for us to say because we just beat Butler. Butler's not a bad team. Butler is not a bad team. I'd say there is a severe degree of separation between Butler and DePaul and Georgetown. Some people have some people have Butler lower than DePaul, lower than George. No, Butler's a talented, competitive team, and, and we saw that at the dunk. And they were due. Yep. They were due for a win. Laval yeah. Jordan's a good coach, and he has scrappy guys. Now, listen, is it chippy? Is it mouthy? Absolutely, but that's. Big East basketball, that's the history of the conference. If you're not getting that, you're not playing the game right. So mm-hmm. we can we can say, oh, Chippy Bynum against uh, Chuck Harris, or we let we let them we let a, a, a sucky team play well in our gym. But at the end of the day, that's the nature of the conference. And Butler is a a, a chippy, gritty, blue collar team. I'm glad they won tonight. I think that's a good win for them. And Butler and Seton Hall are now tied in the conference right now. Each of them three and six. Who would have saw that coming a couple of months ago? But yeah, Big East standings right now. Friars top dog seven and one. Nova right behind them eight and two. UConn they're five and two. And then there's Marquette seven and three. Friars will get them at home this weekend. Looking for revenge on that last game. Like I said before, we will have a preview, a separate episode to preview that game for you. But I think that's uh, I think that's all we got on this one. 
Caps Friars, 17 and 2, the luckiest team in the country. Can't ask for a whole lot more. Make sure you're following us at the Flex Hoops. Follow our personal accounts. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this. Be sure to rate our podcast. They have that on Spotify now. If you listen there, please give us a nice rating, a nice review. We'd love to see that. It'll really help us out. So please do that. Stay stay along with us. The hijinks. This is going to be a great end of the season. So make sure you stay tuned. And thank you for listening. Go Friars.